Anyway, Matthew chapter 7, uh, four commands, four promises, one explanation. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So, in everything do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Father, as Michael speaks to us, open our eyes by your Holy Spirit to hear your word and do it. In the name of Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, thanks, Fiona, for reading and praying. Um, well, let's begin by doing something together. On the screens, you'll see a scale from less difficult to really difficult. And uh, I'm going to show you some things, and I want you to decide where they'd fall on the scale. Here's the first one. Being an Olympic athlete. Uh, they'll be getting ready for the Tokyo Games. Well, where does that fall on the scale? How hard is it to be an Olympic athlete? Here's another one. Being a lobster diver. Uh, that might sound a bit random, but it's in my mind because of a news story last week where a lobster diver found himself inside the mouth of a humpback whale and was nearly swallowed, but, but spat out after nearly a minute. How hard is it to be a lobster diver? Uh, here's one more. Uh, being a parent. Uh, how hard is it to be a parent? Sure, we'd have different, different views on that in here. Um, uh, and for the sake of equality, uh, being a teenager, how hard is it to be a teenager? Uh, where does that fall on the scale? And here's a final one. Being a Christian. How hard is it to be a Christian? Uh, I wonder how you'd answer that. For some of us this morning, that'll be a theoretical question. Maybe you're not yet a Christian, uh, but you probably have some impression of, of how difficult it is following Jesus compared to being an Olympic athlete and, and all those other things. For some of us, that's a very personal question. How hard do you find it to be a Christian? How difficult do you find the day-by-day -day process of following Jesus? Actually, if we want to know how hard it is to follow Jesus, then um, it makes sense to listen to Jesus himself. That's what we've been doing for the last six months, Sunday by Sunday, listening to Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew's Gospel uh, about following him. And again and again, here's what we see. Jesus' teaching is extremely demanding, extremely demanding. I wonder if you've been with us during the last six months, how have you felt listening to Jesus's demanding teaching? Let me remind us of some of the demands. Jesus' demand not just to avoid murderous actions, but murderous anger. 
It's one thing not to kill someone, but Jesus goes for our hearts. Are you angry with someone? Are you nursing a grudge, wishing someone was dead? Or are you pursuing peace where relationships are broken? Or think of Jesus' demand not just to avoid committing adultery, but to avoid looking lustfully. You know, how, am I, how are we looking at people? Our thoughts, what are we doing online? Are we taking radical action to be pure, cutting off whatever makes us stumble? Well, what about when someone wrongs us? Jesus' demand to show them grace, to turn the other cheek. Or his demand, not just to love our friends, but to love our enemies, to show other people the same grace that we hope God will show us. And that's enough to be getting on with, but Jesus goes further. He doesn't just warn us about our bad deeds, he warns us about our good deeds. He says, don't do good stuff because you want other people to think you're great. Check your motives. Why do you do the good things that you do? Who do you want to get a thumbs up from? Do you want a thumbs up from God or from other people? Whose glory am I after? God's glory or mine? And then Jesus' demand, don't store up treasure on earth. Don't buy into the materialism that's all around you and run around worrying about health and wealth like everyone else. No, live for God's kingdom and trust him to provide. That's a sample of Jesus' demands, the demands that come with following him. I wonder how it leaves you feeling. Overwhelmed? Daunted? Despairing? Maybe some aspect of Jesus' teaching seems totally out of reach. I can't imagine not being angry with that person. I can't imagine breaking my addiction to pornography. I can't imagine forgiving them. I can't imagine not craving approval from other people. I can't imagine being more excited about God than I am about my house or my car or my phone. Or maybe Jesus' teaching sounds so demanding, you can't Im imagine even getting started as a Christian. I'm bound to fail. I have no idea how I'd manage it. And that brings us to those verses Fiona read for us, which can help us and comfort us immensely. Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, at first, Jesus' words might seem to cause more problems than they solve. You know, is Jesus saying, ask God for whatever you want, and he'll give it to you, like a genie, uh, that he'll just grant our wishes? And if so, what about when we ask and we don't receive, when we knock and the door stays shut? Many of us can think of prayers that we've, we've asked God and he hasn't given what we've asked for. Now, that's painful. And it's good to wrestle with those questions. 
But the problem is we take these verses out of context. You know, we put Jesus' words on the side of a mug or at the end of an email, or we have them as our phone background by themselves. But Jesus didn't speak these 43 words by themselves. He spoke them as part of his sermon, and he means us to understand them in that context. If we rip them out and read them on their own, then we're bound to get the wrong idea and to miss out on the real comfort that Jesus has for us. See, it's no accident that Jesus speaks these words at this point. They come as Jesus finishes the the big section of his sermon. Back in chapter 5, he opened the section like this. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. That's how he opens a section. And then in verse 12 of chapter 7, he closes it like this. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Law and the prophets, law and the prophets, bookending things. And our verses about asking come right at the end of a section. And that's important because this is the section where Jesus has been making such big demands, demands that leave us feeling overwhelmed, daunted, despairing, like we're bound to fail. Even last Sunday, Jesus teaching about judging others. You know, maybe this week, you felt that you're, you're prone to be more critical of others than you are of yourself. And you know that's not the way it should be, but, but what can I do? How can I change? And whether it's Jesus teaching on anger or purity or forgiveness or approval or materialism, we're left feeling, this is beyond me. How can I do this? And after all the demands, Jesus says to despairing disciples, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. To the one who knocks, the door will be opened. See, Jesus isn't saying that God will give us whatever we want like a genie. He's promising something much better. God will give us what we need to follow Jesus' teaching if we ask. Like, following Jesus is right at the very difficult end of a scale. In fact, it's off the scale. We can't do it left to ourselves. But if we ask, God will give us all we need all we need for this most difficult life of discipleship. So ask, seek, knock. I love this prayer from one of the great Christians of the past. Give me the grace to do as you command and command me to do what you will. That's how St. Augustine prayed. Through failure after failure, Augustine learned he was utterly unable to live the Christian life in his own strength. He needed God's help every step of the way. So he asks, Lord, give me grace to do as you command. And though following Jesus was still demanding, and he never got it perfectly, it, was, it no longer made Augustine despair. It was possible with the help 
he received from God. So he said, command me to do what you will. When we're struggling with Jesus' teaching, we can feel like we're letting God down and we need to sort ourselves out. But that's the point at which God invites us to come to him for help. Don't run away. Come to me. Ask. Seek. Knock. If you're not yet a Christian and you fear you couldn't do it, well, the truth is you're right. You can't. Not by yourself. So ask. Seek. Knock. For all you need to follow Jesus. If you feel like you are a rubbish Christian and compared to others, you're just hanging in there and you're struggling with things that might finish you, well, whatever those things are, don't let them drive you to despair. Let them drive you to depend, to depend on the Lord, to come to him for all the help you need, to ask, seek, knock for everything you need to follow Jesus. And Jesus knows we need encouraging to do that. Maybe you know Charles Dickens' story about Oliver Twist, the orphan who lived in a workhouse and uh, who worked like a slave on very little food. And one day during mealtime, Oliver approaches the, the master of the workhouse, trembling with fear, and asks, please, sir, I want some more, terrified. And we might relate to God a bit like that, like God is a master we work for, someone we have to obey. But there's no closeness between the orphan and the master, no confidence a master cares, and we feel very needy, but we dare not ask him for what we need. We're afraid to. And if we approach him, it's more out of desperation than out of trust. Well, Jesus knows we need encouragement, so he wants us to know we're not orphans working for a master. If we belong to him, we are children loved by a good father. Look at verse 9. Jesus says to parents, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? And you can hear the parents in the crowd shouting back, none of us, Jesus, of course we wouldn't treat our children like that. And then Jesus makes his point in verse 11. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your, heavenly, your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? No human father is perfect. And some of us know that very painfully. But if even flawed human fathers sometimes give good gifts to their children, don't you believe that your perfect heavenly father will give you what you need if you ask him? Bad fathers are bad because they're not like God. Good fathers are good because in the words of John Calvin, it's like God drops into their hearts a portion of his goodness. But if the little drops produce such an amount of generosity, what should we expect from the inexhaustible ocean that's God himself? Would God who thus opens the hearts of men shut his own? No, our Father will give us what we need 
if we ask. And he often does that even when we don't ask, doesn't he? How kind is that? How many good things our Father gives us that we haven't even asked for? See, he doesn't need us to ask, but he wants us to because he doesn't want us to relate to him at a distance like the orphan and the slave master. He wants us to come close and relate to him as a child to a father and to depend on him like a child in the family. And I love this. We're not to hang back because we know we're unworthy. Look at verse, verse 11. Look at who Jesus is talking to. He's talking to those who are evil. This is not an invitation to perfect people. This is an invitation to sinners like us. However unworthy we feel, however poor our attempts to make progress, our loving Father will give us what we need to follow Jesus if we ask. So ask, seek, knock for whatever we need to live out Jesus' teaching. We're going to do that in just a moment by, by again, praying the Lord's Prayer together. The prayer at the center of this sermon Jesus is preaching. He wants us to ask. So I'll give us a moment to consider where do you need our Father's help with following Jesus? Maybe it's material provision, help with our struggles, forgiveness for our failures. A moment to, to think. <laughs> 